0: Last week I preached a message entitled, The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. That's that's a saying that we use to to infer that a son is often like a father, or he's like his parents, or a daughter's like her parents. The the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And I made a statement last Sunday, and this was it, you will never fully see who you're destined to be until you correctly see who God is. When we have the right image of God, it affects who we are. And so it's so important, it is so important to project the fullness of the image of God. I I read a scripture last week and everyone was uh, getting all excited and shouting and you can get excited again today as I repeat it. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. In reference to the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I, uh, this scripture says, And we all, with unveiled faces, contemplate the Lord's glory. And all of us who have now come in to this new birth, The veil's been taken off of our face, off of our eyes. And we contemplate, we meditate, we look on the fullness of the image of God, the Lord's glory. The Lord's glory. Glory always speaks of God's character, that it's so perfect. His wonderful kindness, His wonderful patience, His love, His understanding. How many of you love the fact that God's got a perfect character? Absolutely. And it says that as we contemplate, as we project to the forefront of our understanding, the image of God in all of His glory, we are being transformed into that image with ever-increasing glory. In other words, as we get the picture of God right, and as we start to fill our mind and our understanding how wonderful God is, the Spirit of the Lord starts to put on us the very anointing that is on the father as we judge God right the anointing of those good things that are in him start to get layered on us hallelujah this series is about judging God and uh, judging him rightly and unfortunately there's you know Paul makes a statement He says there are doctrines of devils in the church. And I'm sad to say that sometimes doctrines that are really inspired by demons get into the church and they are counterproductive, they hinder us and stop us, they become the stumbling block that allows us to step up into greater faith to take on everything that God really has for us. One of the ministries that God's given me is pulling down strongholds. It's pulling down the lies of doctrine and religious teaching that is contrary to the Word of God. And I make no apology about it. At times, it doesn't always make me everyone's best friend. But I would rather be faithful and loyal to the one who is true than chase after the popularity of men and women. Amen. The truth of the matter is that the more we really understand the gospel, the better it is for us. So I told you last week that I was going to preach on the mystery that God kept a secret. The mystery that God kept a secret for the sake of titles. Titles they say, you know, in today's culture, titles need to be short. So I called it the mystery, the, the mystery God kept the secret. But if I were to give it its full meaning, it would be the mystery that God kept the secret from before the foundation of the world. I'm going to prove to you that this isn't just a title. I'm going to preach something to you. I've been a Christian a long time. I've gone to a lot of conferences. I've read a lot of books. I listen to a lot of preaching. I'm a preacher's kid. I'm going to preach you something today that is not commonly preached. I'm going to preach you something today that is a part of your salvation. And this truth it's so important because this truth is the why. You can break out of sin habits. You could break out of rejection. You could break out of fear. You can break out of inferiority everything that binds you, everything that ails you, everything that limits you, everything that cripples you, everything that makes you believe you're inferior or you're stupid or you're no good, this truth that I'm going to impart today is the doctrinal reason. I'm going to show you Scripture upon Scripture. How many of you are ready to thumb through your Bible today? I'm going to show you the unadulterated Word of God. I'm going to take you deeper into God's Word. We do have notes out the front for after the service so that you can watch it on uh, on uh, video and go through it with all the notes alongside of you. But here are some scriptures just to prove the fact that there is a mystery and it has been hidden and it is a secret. Unfortunately, it's remained a secret to a lot of Christians. It's not meant to be a secret anymore. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6 to 8, Paul says, We do, however, Matt, can I get the verses on the back screen this way? I'm not turning around. We blew a fuse. All right. Like I said, guys, we are doing a lot of electrical work. And uh, you know how they put the signs out. Please uh, pardon our mess as we're renovating. OK so pardon our mess as we're renovating. OK. 1 Corinthians chapter two, verse six to eight. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature. How many of you want to step into or want to believe that you're stepping into the realm of being a mature Christian? OK? We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. The rulers of this age, that is a title always used for principalities of darkness, demons, etc., etc. They're coming to nothing. In verse 7, no... We declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. Amen. The Apostle Paul is clearly stating that he has been called to preach something that is a mystery and it's been hidden to the world, but it was part of God's plan from before the foundation of this world. I'm going to prove it to you again from another scripture, because when you're building doctrine, I I get amazed at how people make a statement about God, and it's usually a negative one, and they build it on one scripture, and that scripture is actually out of context. When When you are in the Spirit, and you are interpreting something according to the heart of God, it will line up with scripture after, scripture after scripture after scripture after scripture. And so in Colossians chapter 1, verse 25 to 26, Paul says, I have become its servant. He's talking about this message that he was called to preach. I've tried to shorten the verses because there's a lot of verses. You can go through this when you're home, grab the notes. I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people there's a second time two different books first corinthians now the book of colossians and paul is stressing over and over again i want you to know that there is a mystery a secret and it was part of god's plan from the beginning of the foundation of this world and god's called me to reveal it to you let's have another scripture Romans chapter 16, verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaimed about Jesus Christ in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past. In other words, hidden for all of time. All right. So Paul again references the fact that there is a, a mystery, a hidden message that God has for his church. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 2 to 5, and then verse 7 and 11. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is... The mystery made known to me by revelation as I have already written briefly. Here he is in 1 Corinthians, Colossians, Romans, Ephesus. All of these books represent different churches under Paul's ministry. He mentions them, this, to all of these churches. How many of you think... Paul must think it's a priority to get this message out. He goes on to say, next verse, In, regarding the, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to people in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of His power. Although I'm the least of all of the Lord's people, this grace, this blessed Ministry has been given to me, he says, to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Let's go to the next verse. God's intent, his intent was that now through the church. Stop. Who's the church? Isn't the church the organization called Grace and Faith? Isn't the church me? We're the church. You're the church. Whether you come to this church or not, you, if you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God and have accepted him into your heart and he's your Lord and Savior, you are the church of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. Paul says, here's a mystery. It's for the mature. It's a hidden secret. God... This was part of God's plan from before the foundation of the world, and he's given me this revelation to make it known to you because the revelation is supposed to uh, be manifested to the world through the church. So in other words, there's a really important message that you and I will play a vital part in. And God will, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God will be made known to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly realms. Stop. This is one of those in-your-face devil moments. You see, there is a mystery. There's something that was so wild in God's heart. That even Lucifer and all of the fallen demons never could have imagined this. And they're going to get the ha the revelation, the here it is in your face. Because the revelation of it is going to manifest in the body of the church of Jesus Christ. Can you see that? That's what he's saying. His intent, God's intent. What he planned from before the foundation of the world, his intent, what he planned, was that now through you, Guys, I want to take you to another level. I want to take you to another understanding of who you are in Jesus Christ. I want to make you the son of God that's meant to stand in victory and not the punching bag of the enemy. I want to make you a son and a daughter of authority who knows their kingly rights and knows their priestly duty so that you can take your position in this This world and shove the forces of darkness back into the hole where they belong. So he wants to make this known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. He wants demons to see the secret that has been kept hidden. All these ages manifesting in you so that demons have to gawk and crouch in fear because God has anointed and appointed you. Let's keep reading. Verse 11. Sorry. Oh, verse 11. Okay, that's an 11. I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm thinking, what is that? (laughs) Verse 11. According to his eternal purpose, which he accomplished through Jesus Christ. Jesus did something on that cross that unleashed God's mystery and hidden purpose. And when you and I get the revelation of it, it will make demons tremble. When you understand, and we're gonna to get to it, when you understand this mystery, if you've struggled with anger, if you've struggled with lust, we're adults here, come on, let's be real, okay? I am not gonna preach a gospel that's irrelevant to you. So you forgive me if I'm too truthful and I cut to the bone, but I'm not here to play church. When we understand this, all the vices that we're ashamed of, that the enemy has a hold on us, start to break off. When we understand this, the weaknesses of our emotional and mental state start to diminish in their power. The fears and the paranoias and the phobias that have gotten into our soul When we understand this message, it gives the devil no right and no reason. In fact, the revelation of this message will give you every right and every reason to stand up in the Holy Ghost and not take one for the team, but dish it out to the kingdom of darkness. So since this was God's plan from the beginning, we're going to go to the beginning in just a minute. I have one more scripture to prove to you that I am not making this stuff up. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 6-8. to eight, Paul says, we do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. We already did that, didn't we? All right, we did that. So here we go. We're going to go to the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 11 to 12, I want to show you a pattern because God works in patterns. You need to understand this pattern. It's very important. Then God said, let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. God put into progress a principle that plants will reproduce after their kind. So God creates a type of fruit tree, and he puts within it the power to keep reproducing after its kind. After its kind. He puts certain vegetables in the ground, and he puts within it the principle to keep reproducing after its kind and so it was let's have a look at the next verse that's genesis chapter 1 verse 11 verse 12 the land produced vegetation plant bearing seeds according to their kind and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kind and god saw that it was good so god does that with vegetation with the plant life and then he does it with the animal life let's go to the next verse Genesis 1, 21, So God created great creatures of the sea, and with every living thing with which the water teems, and that moves about in it according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind, and God saw that it was good. And so we see here that... uh, God produces everything to reproduce after its own kind. Genesis chapter 1, verse 24. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, the livestock, the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals each according to its kind. And it was so. Verse 25, God made the wild animals according to their kind, the livestock according to their kind, the creatures that move along the ground according to their kind, and God saw it was good. Now that can sound really repetitious to you, but God wrote it. You see, we read a lot of things and we miss a lot of things. Is God boring? No. So why is it repetitious? He wants us to see a pattern. You can't see a pattern unless you delineate the pattern. You can't see a pattern if you only say it once. You see a pattern because it's repeated and repeated and repeated. There's a principle and the principle is everything produces after its kind. Now, the last verse we read was Genesis chapter 1, verse 24, 25. We've been going through Genesis chapter 1. Look at verse 26 and 27. Then God said, now let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Why? Why? So that they might rule over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. Wow. God created Adam and Eve in his likeness and in his image so that they would rule. How many of you know God rules? So God rules, he reproduces after his kind He meant for you to rule God has power and authority He reproduces after his kind And he gave Adam and Eve power and authority Listen, it takes a little bit of a stretch of imagination But how is Adam going to rule the animals that are in the sea? I know that this will be a stretch for many people But I believe every word that is written. To me, the Word of God is literal. In fact, to me, the Word of God is more real than the things I see with my natural eyes, and it is more real than the things I hear with my natural ears. And so I am absolutely convinced that the first man and the first woman were these incredible beings. Science tells us that we only use 4% of our brain. Well, they, before the fall, they were incredible beings. And Adam could call to the animals, he could talk, call to the dolphins. Listen, if you live here in Tampa Bay, you could go down to Clearwater and pay $25 and jump on a boat and have a tour. And if you're lucky, you'll get to see some dolphins. On any given day, Adam would sit on the side of the beach and say, Hey, Flipper, come on over. Adam. Would wrestle with the lions and play with the giraffes, and they obeyed him. The Word of God says that God gave him authority to rule. He could call the birds that are flying overhead. You know, when we were kids, we grew up watching Tarzan, and we, you know, it was a bit of a fantasy, but Tarzan could call to all the wild animals in the jungle. What the mind of man can conceive. God already did. Amen. So here God, he, he creates vegetation. He says now reproduce after your kind. He creates sea life. He says reproduce after your kind. He creates birds. Reproduce after your kind. He creates mammals on the land. Reproduce after your kind. He looks and he says it's good. Then he says let us make man as the crowning glory over this creation in our image. So I see from scripture that from the beginning of time, man was meant to be in rulership. Man was meant to be in governorship. He was meant to be an authority. He wasn't meant to be subject to the elements He wasn't meant to be subject to some crazed maniac who comes with a machine gun to shoot everybody down. God created his sons to reflect his glory and to carry his honor of power and authority. And this was God's plan from the beginning. Everybody see it? Are you with me? Because it's going to get a whole lot better. In Psalm 8, David comments about this. King David, he writes this psalm and he says, What is man? What? Who are we? That you would create us, that you're mindful of us, and that you care for us. Next verse. That you would create us a little lower than angels and crown us with glory and honor. Adam and Eve were the crowned jewels of God in the garden, and they were meant to oversee and to rule and to govern and to protect. And David says, What is man? (laughs) I mean, I look at humanity, God, I think, What were you thinking? That you crowned us with glory and honor. Glory speaks of, the, uh, of God's divine character. Glory speaks of God's divine character. How many of you would like to have God's character? All right, I'm going to get people in trouble right now. How many husbands here would like their wife to have God's divine character? Yeah. See, the guys who raise their hands already have it because the wisdom of God said, don't go there. (laughs) How many women would love to have their husbands possessing the divine character of God? How many of us, because we live with us, would love to possess the strengths of God's divine character? What is man that you crowned him with your glory? When God said, let us make man in our likeness, he wasn't talking about having ten fingers. In the Hebrew, it says, let them be a phantom of us. They are not us, but they are like us. They are the image of us, and they carry out what we do. Wow. You know, we read the story of God creating man out of the dust of the ground. And I was so tempted yesterday as I was going over my notes again to go to Walmart and buy a huge tub of Play-Doh and make a, a, you know, a, a Mr. Gumby or something, you know. But we read the Word of God with such sterile eyes. God created some mud out of the dirt, and He created a man, and He breathed in it. Hey, look what I made. We got a little Play-Doh man here. No. Do you understand? I remember when our first child was born. I remember being in the room as she was being born. This was a combination of us. This child is the result of who we are. What an explosive moment emotionally and mentally in my heart. When God created man out of the dust of the ground, can we take the dust out of the ground and not let it be the primary focus? Can we make it the focus that God got down there on the ground and said... (laughs) We're going to create man in our image. He's going to be like our little baby. And we're going to put our glory and our likeness inside of this creature. And he's going to walk on the earth like a shadow of us. And we're going to walk with him. We're going to be so proud of this creature. And he will be the crowning diamond of all that we've created I could imagine it wasn't a hard thing for God to bend down and breathe life into his mouth because God, this whole creation process, God would have been hugging this here, lifeless form, looking into its eyes with the vision of what he knew he destined man to be. Yeah, he saw this as his son, his creation. Out of his heart, out of his dreams, out of everything he wanted to fill the earth with, here was a living, breathing representation of God on the earth. Hallelujah. So God created man and woman in his image. But then Lucifer came and we had a fall. You all are in big trouble today. It just dawned on me that because the fuse went out on the back, I don't have a clock. God have mercy. God actually warned Adam. Keep this earth under your control because there's going to be a contest. Someone will come and challenge you for the authority of earth. And Lucifer came. And unfortunately, he got Adam to misjudge God. That was the first fall and that was the beginning of the fall. And let me tell you, sweetheart, young man, elderly men every time we misjudge God, it's to our fall. We lose something every time we misjudge God. And that's why this series is so important that we judge God correctly. I might become unpopular with some people, but that's okay. I am going to be true to the name of God and the character of God. And (laughs) <laughs> everywhere I preach, I am going to preach the truth of who God is. Amen. He's the giver of life. He's a good God. He's kind. He's gracious. He's slow to anger. Joe, are you happy that God is slow to anger? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad God is slow to anger. Amen. But he's quick to forgive. And so Adam submitted to Lucifer. He got angry at God. He misjudged God. Whenever you misjudge God, there's only one person who's right and one person who's wrong and God is always right. We don't want to misjudge God. And because they took away from the image of God, do you know what happened? Their image became depleted and they became fallen. You see... 2 Corinthians chapter 3.18, as we contemplate on the glory of God and the image of God, the Spirit of God, as we recognize God's beauty and His goodness, and we put that worship on Him and we think about it, we talk about it, the Spirit of God will anoint us and give back to us the very anointing that makes God great. In the garden, Adam and Eve were taking away from the glory of God and what they did was they took away from their own divine glory and their own honor. And Lucifer took over the control of planet earth and hence the Bible, Paul calls him, Jesus calls him the God of this world, the prince of the earth. Now, We're going to move on from there, okay? Because I'm just laying a foundation to show you this mystery that's been kept hidden. The first Adam fell and lost his glory and position of power and authority. The first Adam, Adam and Eve, they fell and they lost the image of God. They took on a sinful nature. Everyone agree they took on a sinful nature? All the problems we see in life. It's because of a sinful nature. They fell from the image of God and instead of being in charge and in authority, we are out of control and we are under the control of the evil one. That is unsaved men and women. The first Adam fell and lost his glory and position of power and authority. The last Adam. Who's the last Adam? Jesus. Jesus the last Adam came in the fullness of God's glory and with all power and authority in other words God became flesh to model what a son is meant to look like the first son made of of the dust of the ground chose with his free will to misjudge God so God becomes flesh and dwells among us and all the glory of God is on Jesus and all the power and the authority of God is in Jesus let me show you in scripture because God will always reproduce after his kind that's the principle trees reproduce after their kind animals reproduce after their kind God reproduces after his kind and so what we have here is in real quickly Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3 it says the Sun is the radiance of God's glory God's character God's divine nature was in Jesus Christ he is the exact representation of God's being Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. The Son is the image of the invisible God. Isn't it amazing? God had a plan from before the foundation of the world, and if the devil understood this plan, uh, you know, he would have done what he did. But he had a plan and he creates man in his image. The first Adam blew it, so God becomes flesh and he becomes a man to model the last Adam. You know why he's called the last Adam? Because you'll never need another one after Jesus. So God creates a human body Okay? Because Jesus did not exist in the heavens as Jesus before the foundations of the world. He existed as the Word. And in the beginning was the Word and the Word was with God and the Word was God and the Word became flesh. The Jesus we know is the Word of God who took on a human body. He is the model of what God intended from the beginning. And so when the Son comes forth, He comes forth in the image of the invisible God. Because God always reproduces after His kind. Hmm, interesting. Colossians chapter 1 verse 19. For God was pleased to have all of His fullness dwell in Him. Read it in context. God was pleased to have all of God's fullness in Jesus Christ. I want you to take note of that phrase. Take note of that phrase. The fullness of God means that everything God is... The strengths of his character. You struggle with weaknesses in your character? Stay with me. You struggle with weakness and you give in to fear? Stay with me. You give in to areas of sin and then you hate yourself afterwards? Don't hate yourself and don't condemn yourself. God has a phenomenal remedy. He was pleased to have all of his fullness dwell in. In Jesus Christ. Colossians chapter 2 verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of God lives in bodily form. How many of you can agree that when Jesus walked the earth he had the wisdom of God? Would you agree he had the love of God? Would you agree he must have had the patience of God? Forget the patience of Job. He had the patience of God. He had the kindness of God. He had the grace of God. He had the wisdom of God. He had the word of knowledge of God. He had the spirit of discernment of God. He had the gift of healings of God. He had the prophetic ability to see into the future. He had all of God's character and all of God's attributes of power and authority. Are you ready? Ready? Okay. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 6 and 9. But we do see Jesus who was made lower than the angels. Remember David says what is man that you made him lower than the angels and you crowned him with glory and honor. David was talking about mankind. You crowned him with glory and honor and you put him in charge to rule. Now in Hebrews, but we see Jesus who was made lower than the angels for a little while, now crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. So here's Jesus in the fullness of God's character and in the fullness of God's power. Have I preached to you anything that is unscriptural? Jesus came in the fullness of the image of God and the first Adam was created in the fullness of the image of God. The last Adam came in the fullness of the image of God. The word glory in the Greek is doxa and it means glory, especially the divine quality. The unspoken manifestation of God's splendor. This is God's character. All the strengths of God's character were in Jesus Christ. Now we're going to go back to the mystery. And I'm going to read you portions of the scriptures I read earlier. And I left the answers out. Now we're going to read them with the answers in. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 to 11. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace, given to me through the working of his power. Although I am least than the least of all God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Jesus Christ. And to make plain to everyone the administration, the outworking of this mystery which for ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. Next verse. His intent was that now through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished. The eternal purpose. This is what He planned from before the foundations of the world and He accomplished it in Jesus Christ our Lord. Next verse. I pray that out of His glorious riches He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith and i pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the lord's holy people to grasp how wide how long how high how deep is the love of christ and to know that this love and to know this love that surpasses knowledge That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Oh, but I'm so weak. I can't help it. Oh, I got this problem and, you know, my daddy was like this, and, you know, I I, I just get so depressed. Stop, stop. You have to choose. You have to choose what you're going to believe. Are you going to believe that you're like the first Adam, or are you going to believe that you're like the last Adam? You see, Paul makes it very clear He says, the first Adam was a living being. He was a living being. Nobody will contest that. The first Adam was human. He was a living being. But the last Adam is a life-giving spirit. If the first Adam, through his sin, could decimate the world and repopulate it with a sinful nature and he was only a living human being, then what can God do through the last Adam who is a life-giving spirit? 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 6 to 8 We do however speak a message of wisdom among the mature but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing Next verse No we declare God's wisdom a mystery that's been hidden And that God destined for our glory, our participation in his character before time began. Next verse. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Stop, stop. Listen. You know what he's saying? They could never conceive that God really wanted to invest and vest himself and his personality and his character strength and his supernatural strength inside of a human being. And after man failed, he could never imagine that God would redo it again. And if the rulers of darkness had understood that by nailing Jesus to the cross and every time that hammer came down, punching the nails, into his hand and feet. They were shoving nails in their own coffin because they were releasing the plan of God. There it is. None of the rulers of this age understood it because if they understood this wild, crazy love of God, they could not conceive that God would do it again. If they understood that, they never would have crucified Jesus because in crucifying him, he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I become the righteousness of God. You see, most churches will preach If you ask Jesus Christ into your heart Your sins will be forgiven And your name gets written in the book of life That's true That's only a part of the gospel And so most Christians don't know who they are Oh, I'm a son of God I'm a son of Alfonso Guess what? When I'm sitting in a couch and I'm thinking to myself all the facial features when my father would think to himself his eyebrows would go up and down and his face would make all these funny faces and we knew he was thinking. Guess who does the same? Oh, I'm a child of God. You can't be his kid and not have his DNA. You see, they they thought they were getting rid of the image of God. They didn't realize they were multiplying the image of God. The, The whole phrase, you must be born again... Look, Jesus said, you must be born again. Why? Because if you're not born again, you can only bear the image of the first Adam. And you will always have a sinful nature. You must be born again. Because when you are born again, you are born again in me. And you will bear the likeness of the last Adam. Hallelujah. You must, you must, you must be born again. You could be a good Pentecostal. You could be a good Baptist. You could be a good Presbyterian, Episcopalian. You could be a good Catholic. It won't do you squat. You must be born again. Because being born again gives you a second birth. And instead of being born only in the first Adam, you are now born again into the last Adam. And if you bore the likeness of the first Adam, how much more will we bear the likeness of the last Adam who is God? Now what am I saying? Are we God's? I'll answer that question real easy. Spend 24 hours with me and you'll know I'm not a God. And you're not a God. And we will never be God. But we have been created to bear His likeness in this world. The character of God and the power and the authority of God. You see... Dispensationalists will say that the gifts of the spirit, prophecy, healing, miracles, praying in tongues, it's not for today. God crowned the first Adam with glory and honor. And honor always speaks of power. Jesus came with the likeness of God's character and he came with the power of God's spirit. And God always reproduces after his kind. So if you're going to be born again, you're not going to be born again like a wet noodle. You're going to be born again like the Son of God. I'm enjoying this. Praise God. Look, this isn't stuff you could do in 60 seconds, and I don't apologize. If you want a refund on your tithes, see me afterwards. But you just, got, you just got more than anything you could tithe. Amen. Colossians chapter 1, verse 24 to 27. This is one of the verses I read earlier about the mystery, Right? now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you and I am filled up in my flesh with what is still lacking in regards to Christ's affliction for the sake of his body which is the church yep keep going next verse I have become its servant by the commission of God, by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Verse 26, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations. Remember we read this before? Now I'm going to read the bit I left out okay? The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Verse 27, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ is in you. And that's why you can take on the glory of God. Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is redemption. I don't have to be bound by character flaws. I don't have to be bound by character weakness. The glory, the character of God is in here. That's why I can say God hasn't given me a spirit of fear or of timidity or inferiority. He's given me a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. That's why I can say I can do all things through Jesus Christ who enables me. That's why Jesus said the things I've done you can do also. If he did what he did only because he's God, then that's blasphemy. No, he came to be the model of what a son is meant to look like so that as we look on him and we see the glory of God, the Spirit of God will change us from one image of God to a greater image of God to a greater image of God. What scripture is that? I'm sweating so much I can't see. (laughs) Colossians 1. Colossians chapter 2. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. I stopped the verse there before when I was telling you that Jesus came in the fullness of God. And I told you... Recognize that phrase, the fullness of God. Remember I told you that? Okay, I'm going to show you that phrase over and over and over again. And it's always used in reference to Jesus and you, the church. For in Christ, all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form. And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. All the fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus when he walked the earth. What does that mean? All the fullness of God's power, gifts of healing, gifts of prophecy, words of knowledge, discernment. Everything that was in God manifested in Jesus on the earth. Pastor, are you saying that we're supposed to walk the earth like Jesus and just naturally step into supernatural things? you got it. Exactly. Exactly. Now listen, to the natural mind, this is too much. But you know what the natural mind will do? It'll keep you out of the promised land. Twelve spies went to the land full of all of God's promises There were tons of promise. You will find iron in the mountains. You'll get wells you didn't dig. You'll have uh, milk and honey. You'll have houses you didn't build. There were umpteen promises. It was the land filled with promises. And the Christians of the Old Testament, so to speak, Paul says the Old Testament is given to us for examples so that we can learn from them. They stood on the edge of the promise land, the land filled with promises, and said, yeah, we can't believe that God really meant that. And a whole generation went without the blessing of God. When you take away from the image of God, you take away from your destiny. And you could fight this message of faith all you want, but I want to tell you, the message of faith will take you into the victory and the deliverance and the power of God. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 1 Verse 18 to 23, I pray that the eyes of your heart will be enlightened. You notice he said, I'm praying that you get the revelation. I'm praying. I pray that you get the revelation. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you might know the hope to which he has called you. The riches of his glorious inheritance. You have inherited the riches of his glory. You keep looking at uh, yourself, I look at myself, and at times we look with negative eyes. Oh, I'm so messed up. Oh, I'm so broken. Oh, I don't have patience. Oh, I don't have self-control. I can't help it. I'm going to take some drugs. I can't help it. I have an alcoholic problem. I can't help it. I have a lust problem. I can't get over all of these issues. It is a lie. Your sins aren't just forgiven. Your sin nature has been exchanged for the divine nature of Jesus Christ hallelujah so he goes on and says next verse and in his incomparably great power for us who believe that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms verse 21 far above all rule and authority notice Jesus is given rule and authority but now he's taken us the church and he's crowning us with glory and he's crowning us with honor and we're seated with Jesus far above all principalities and power and dominion and every name that is voked not only in the present age but in the one to come. Verse 22. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church which is his body. The fullness of, of him. The body is the fullness of him. If we understand what the fullness of God in Jesus is, don't change the definition when it talks about you. you. Oh well, the fullness of God means no. If the fullness of God in Jesus means that Jesus took on all the character strength of God's personality and all the supernatural strength, don't go switching the cheese. Don't change it. He uses the same phraseology because he's on the same track. This is the mystery that's been kept hidden from before the foundation of the world. When Satan took authority from Adam, he knew that he caused Adam to blow it when he killed Jesus on the cross, never in his decrepit, twisted, perverted imagination could he conceive of a love so great that God would give us another opportunity. What am I saying? We are so prone to talking about our weaknesses. You need to be confessing. We need to be confessing our strengths. Well, you know, I have this phobia. My doctor said... No, my doctor says the fullness of God is in me. Come on, church. Come on. Do you understand... I lose popularity when I preach long in some people's eyes. Hang on, stay with me. But do you understand, I can't give you this in tidbits. I'm not satisfied with having 10,000 people coming to hear Pastor Rob. I will be satisfied with 10,000 people getting the revelation so that they know who they are in Jesus Christ. Thank you. His body which is the fullness of him there's that phrase again. I didn't prove it to you, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 13 So Christ himself gave us apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith, in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Romans 8 verse 29, for those that God foreknew, he predestined. It is amazing how the devil could take a phenomenal scripture and get people off on a crooked bent and they totally see the wrong thing in this verse. People will take this verse and say, you see, God predestined some people to be saved and he doesn't predestine other people to be saved. So God goes around and says, I'll take you. I don't like the way you're looking at me. I'm not taking you. I'll take you. I'm not taking you. God is no respecter of persons. He is the embodiment of everything that is just. He's not going to look at you and say, nah, and then look at you and say, okay, I'll have you, and I'll have one of those. I'll have one of those. I'll have one of those. I don't want that. No, sir. God so loved the world that whosoever believeth in him, whosoever, I don't care if you're black, I don't care if you're white, I don't care if you're Latino, I don't care if you're green. God so loved the world that anybody who believes on him will not perish but have everlasting life. So what is that verse saying? You're getting a slight taste of Bible school, okay? What is this verse saying? For those God foreknew, he predestined. Predestination is based on God's foreknowledge. Have you ever watched a movie with a friend, but you already saw the movie and they didn't? Have you ever watched uh, the Super Bowl with a friend, but you've already seen it? This is a replay and they haven't. You know how it's going to end. You know who's going to fumble, who's going to intercept. You know about that awesome throw and the catch, and the guy ran 80 yards for a touchdown, right? You foreknew. Based on God's foreknowledge, from before the foundation of the world, he saw that you would ask Jesus Christ into your heart. And this is what he said. Based on his foreknowledge, he said... From before the foundation of the world, you were predestined. Because you accepted my son, I had a destiny for you to be conformed to the image of his son so that Jesus could be the firstborn among many brethren. In other words, it wasn't just meant to be Jesus. It was meant to be Jesus number one, Jesus number two, number three, number four, number five, number six, number 55 million. Don't let a deceiving spirit lie to you. I am not saying you are Jesus Christ. You're meant to smell like him, look like him. The strength that is in him is in you because it comes from the spirit of God. Amen. Amen. Nancy, you asked Jesus in your heart. God knew that before he created the world. He knew Nancy Jones would come to Jesus. And when he watched the movie, and I don't know how God did it. That's what makes him God. When he watched the movie, he said, that girl is going to believe on my son. Therefore, from the, before the foundations of this world, I predestined her based on her decision and my foreknowledge of her decision to be conformed to the image of his son. You have been destined to carry the likeness and the fullness of the power of God in you. Yes, sir. Wow. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. Listen, Some of us here have had terrible childhoods. Some of us here have had horrendous experiences in our life, even as adults. Hear me: Why do I preach so passionately? Why do I preach so long? Because a lie will get halfway around the world before the truth even gets its pass on. Pants on. Listen to me, listen. Unfortunately, the church should be the place where you hear the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. But some people are more concerned about how fast they're running the race in church growth. I'm more concerned about how fast you run the race. I want you to get this, because there should be no reason why demons hold on to you. There should be no reason why you're having emotional breakdowns. Listen, if you do, and I get depressed, I don't get condemned about it. But I pick myself up by looking at who God is and seeing the mirror of who I am in Christ. And guess what? When I fall flat on my face and I make a mistake and I've sinned, I have a position that doesn't change. I am the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And so instead of getting up and trying to work my way back to that position, I just go back in place with Jesus. And I continue on as if it never happened. Wow. I got to hit more scriptures. I'm not going to preach them. The notes are here. You've been very kind, very patient, very attentive. But you are the one who will benefit. I'm trying to, look, I could give you one scripture and preach a motivational message about, you know, uh, you can do all things. What I did today was go from Scripture to Scripture to Scripture, from Genesis all the way through to New Testament to show you how this is woven into the Word of God. In other words, I could give you a motivation pill today, and tomorrow you could forget all the things I said and the hype is gone. What I'm trying to do is lay into you doctrinal understanding. This comes from Scripture after Scripture. When the enthusiasm is gone tomorrow, you go back to the doctrine of this and say, no, but it is written. And every time I go back, I start pumping myself up again. No. No, it wasn't just a good service. It is written. God said this. God said this. God said this. The Bible says this. And it says this. No, 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 no. Rob, come on. What are you doing? Pick yourself up. It is truth. It is truth. It is truth. That's the way you gotta think. Stop talking about yourself in negative terms. It is written. This is the mystery. We weren't just meant to be saved so that we don't go to hell. That consists of most people's gospel. I wasn't just saved so I don't go to hell. I was saved so I could show to the rulers of darkness they made a mistake when they crucified Jesus Christ. Come on, let's stand. Let's stand. I have no idea what time it is. And maybe God did that, I don't know, so that I wouldn't worry about the time. Chuck, was that worth hearing? Oh, yes. Was that worth hearing? Lynn, is that worth hearing? Manny, is that worth hearing? Manny, we, we need to hear this stuff over and over again. You know why? Living out there in the world, garbage hits us, offense hits us, negativity hits us, and we walk in the shadow of a grimy world. Welcome to Rocky Land. (laughs) And we need to constantly hear the truth so that we focus back on who God is, not who we are not. The devil wants you to focus on who you are not. Don't worry, if we run out of notes, I'll print more, okay? The devil wants you to focus on who you are not. And he wants to take away from the glory of God. And he wants to make God responsible for some of these ugly, nasty things. Judge God right. Because when you judge Him right, you will behold His glory. And the reward for giving God the honor He deserves is that the Spirit of God, you just gave God the honor of believing He's absolutely good and He always says the truth that He doesn't do evil things. As you have given Him that judgment, the Spirit of God will give back to you that very glory and that very honor. And as you keep beholding him as he is, that's your image. That's your image. See, the devil wants you to keep seeing yourself like the first Adam. Don't do it. Don't do it. I understand some of you could be thinking this is too hard to believe. This is ultra faith. Listen, if there's such a thing as ultra-faith, I want to have ultra-faith. The Bible says there's a gift of faith. Give me, give me all of it. Please, please don't disparage this because it's bigger than your imagination. If we disparage this because it's bigger than what I'm experiencing, oh, yeah, but I did this yesterday and I did that, all that means is you're not living up to your potential. Oh, so now we're going to get condemned. Oh, I don't like this doctrine. Now I'm going to be condemned because this is what I could be and this is what I am. There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. Don't play those games with me. I don't preach condemnation. And just because God's promises are bigger than we can imagine, I don't have to feel condemned if I'm not there yet. I'm growing into it. I'm growing into it. I'm growing into it. I'll tell you right now, I don't have all faith. But the potential of it is in me through Jesus Christ. And what I don't achieve today, my daddy understands that sometimes I still wear diapers. And he still coos me and cuddles me and kisses me and loves me. And he doesn't dispossess me from his family. There's no condemnation. I don't preach condemnation. But we preach the revelation of this amazing salvation. What is man that you would be mindful of us after all the wrong things we've done and yet you would want to reinstate us with your son Jesus Christ. Who are we that we should deserve this? This is amazing grace. This is amazing grace. Amen. If you have never been born again, if you're not sure if you're born again, we'll take care of that right now. Put your hand up. If you've never asked Jesus in your heart, you're not sure if you're born again, put your hand up. Let me pray with you. We'll get you born again. Okay. I want you to look at the person on your left. Go on. Now, look at the person on your right. You might have to look across the aisle. Now, everybody, look at me. Everyone, look at me. You all know that verse that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ Jesus, behold, all things have passed away, all things have become new, right? Because you're a new creation. The Greek, actually, the Greek word is you're a new species. Really, the Greek says you're a new species. You see, up until Jesus, up until you got born again, everyone was son of man. Jesus came. He was the first one called son of man, son of God. You know what you are? Son of man, son of God. Amen. But in that passage where Paul says, "Therefore, if anyone is Christ, is a new creation." In that same context, he says, "Listen, this is important. This is another proof to prove that this is not some isolated scripture that I'm making up a doctrine with. Everything ties together." In the same context, he says, "Therefore, we will regard no man from a worldly viewpoint anymore." but we will see them as a new creation in Jesus. So I can't look at you scripturally. I'm not supposed to look at you in your failures. I'm supposed to see you in all of your potential of who you are in Christ. And ironically, the Bible tells us to do that with each other. You know why? Because God refuses to see you In your failure, he will always see you in your full potential. When I look at my failures, it doesn't help me do better. But when I look at his greatness, and he did that in me... It inspires me and releases the spirit of his image to change me from one level of his glory to another level of his glory. Amen. So, don't see the flaws in each other. See the Jesus Uh in each other. And if you do it for each other, then when you look in the mirror, make sure you don't see who you were. Make sure you see who you are in Christ. God bless you. Have an incredible week.